Worm, and welcome to That Time Worm. That Time Worm! The comedy history podcast where we talk about strange things that happened in history. Yes, indeed. Oh, I thought you were going to continue. No, I decided not to. Alright, fair enough. Um, I'm Amelia Edwards, I'm here with my co-host Barnaby King. Hello! And today, I'm going to talk about romance. Ooh, tis the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, today, I'm going to talk to you about the most kissed face in the world. Okay. Is it Lombardi? Of course it's Lombardi. <laughs> For listeners who don't know, Lombardi is our rabbit. He's a good boy. <laughs> Barnaby will talk about him a lot. Yes. Um, so, I don't know if you've kissed the most kissed face in the world. <laughs> well, I don't, know what, I don't know what the most kissed face in the world in. Yeah, I don't know what the most kissed face in the world is. So, my God, that's a difficult thing <laughs> to say. Well, there's an easy way to tell if you've kissed the most kissed face in the world. Okay. Have you ever done a CPR course? No, I haven't, actually. I haven't done any sort of first aid thing. Okay, so I've kissed the most kissed face in the world. How could you? I know, I'm such a slut. <laughs> um, when you do a CPR course, yeah. you get these weird mannequins... Oh, right, yeah. I've seen it on TV. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's this weird mannequin you get that only has a torso and a head. That's how I like my women. I know. They're very unresponsive. (laughs) God. Oh, no. No. This show is going to get so creepy. Oh, God. (laughs) So, this mannequin that you get is called Resussy Ann. Okay. Or Rescue Annie. Okay. Or CPR Annie. Right. Or Rescue Anne. Okay. There's like a whole bunch of names. Okay. Um, And for some reason, I got taught that she's called Rhesus Annie. Right. Like a a Rhesus monkey. Yes. Right. So I'm going to stick with that. Okay. Rhesus Annie. Now, Rhesus Annie was first made in 1958. And she's been used in CPR classes around the world since 1960. And that's why she's got the most kissed face in the world. Ah. Because you've got to blow into her mouth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She gets around a bit then. She does. I think most people think she's a guy as well, because she does have a man's chest. Oh, okay. Like, presumably because it would be really awkward trying to do CPR on something that has, you know, boobs. Hmm, I suppose. But I guess that's just, you know, antiquated views of gender identity. Could be. Annie can identify however she wishes. Mm. And she is a girl. Okay. Now, if you've ever done one of these courses, listeners at home, you'll know that the face actually comes off. <laughs> oh, God! <laughs> oh, no! Wait. This is some Five Nights at Freddy's shit right here. I know. And, like, okay, there is a practical reason for this. It's so you can clean it, because you don't want, like, <laughs> yeah, people's yeah. saliva building up behind it. Yeah, that but makes sense. But it's really freaky. Like, it's really <laughs> creepy, because it's this rubbery face mask thing. And it gets worse when you realise that people just leave them in a bag before you <laughs> <laughs> before you prepare them. So, um, as I've said before, I am a teacher and I also help out with Duke of Edinburgh expeditions. Yeah. And the kids need to learn how to do basic CPR. Do you want to explain what Duke of Edinburgh is? Oh, sure. So, for people who don't know, uh, the Duke of Edinburgh is like a whole award thing that teenagers get. They have to do... A hike, which is like the main part of it, with camping. Mm -hmm. And they also have to do a set of skills. So they've got to spend some time 
working on a skill, sometimes volunteering, and sometimes working on a physical activity. Hmm. And the idea is that it sort of makes you into a whole rounded human being and gives you some stuff to put on your CV early on. It's like the Scouts, but with the monarchy involved. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Apparently, if you get the gold one, you do actually get to shake hands with the Duke of Edinburgh, which is kind of cool, but I never got there. I mean... Didn't he kill a woman recently or something? No, no, no. He did run her over. Yeah, he ran. He did steal yeah. her car. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to say that's a bit of a mixed bag, right there. I mean, sure, he is very old, though. <laughs> well, okay, I'm not going to get into this because that's a whole other discussion. I'm just going to say meeting the Duke of Edinburgh. A mixed bag. Yeah, okay, sure. But because I do this Duke of Edinburgh stuff, yeah. and because um, the now head of our English department mm-hmm. runs the Duke of Edinburgh, okay. um, we used to have in the English office this bag of Recess Annie <laughs> heads that were just like, they were like moulded together almost <laughs> in the bag and they would stare out at you. Do you want to see my collection of faces? They come off, don't you know? <laughs> Oh, well, look uh, at how pliable they are. Deeply disturbing. <laughs> but do you want to know what's more disturbing than this? Yeah. The fact that the face right. used to belong to a real person. Oh, okay. Wow, that's got to be uncomfortable for her. <laughs> <laughs> do you see what I did there? I do see what you did there. <laughs> so, okay, so, so it's taken from an image of an actual person. Yes. Right. Now, the most told story about this face mm-hmm. is that it's the face of a young woman yeah. who drowned okay. in the River Seine right. back in the late 1880s. Okay, so they're all haunted. Yes, very much so. Yeah. And I know what you're thinking. Like, how does the face of a young dead woman make its way onto a CPR doll mm. 80 years after she drowns? That is a feat of medical science, yes. It is. Well... According to the story, this girl was taken out of the River Seine and taken to the per- the Paris morgue, mm-hmm. um, where her death was ruled as a suicide. Oh god! Because there was no sign of like struggle. Yeah. But the pathologist was so taken with her beauty. Oh no. And calm expression. Oh no. That he decided to make a death mask of her face. Oh my god! And this started to be sold all over Paris. <laughs> The hot new fashion accessory, suicide death mask. My God. Okay, we're going to get into it, but people loved this thing. It was everywhere. Apparently any student of any sentimentality had a copy of this death mask in their room. Oh, it's like um, if you're a psychology student, you always get a phrenology bust. Of course. Yeah. If you are an artist, you will have a death mask, a polaster death mask of l'inconnu de la Seine which means the unknown woman of the Seine. Oh, nice. Do you want to see a picture? Yeah, go for it. So this is the bust. She, okay, she looks like she's having a private joke at my expense. Absolutely. People really loved her little smile that she has. Yeah. So especially taking that with like the whole suicide story, it's like the idea that she um, she sort of knows something that you don't. <laughs> she really does look like it. There's a sort of like self-satisfaction there. Absolutely. And people just like really caught on to this. I mean, there is something hauntingly captivating about it. I mean, I, I kind of feel like 
Yeah, if I, if I were a creepy-ass coroner, I'd totally take a death mask of that face. Yeah, it's really interesting, isn't it? And, like, <laughs> so now all we have left from her, like, because you don't get her smile, obviously, on the recess only doll, because it's open so that you can... Oh, right. That's a shame. CDR. That's a shame, because if the smile was on there, it could be, like, reassurance that, you know, you're doing a good job. <laughs> but you do have her closed eyes and her calm look. Yeah. She has no wrinkles on her forehead whatsoever. No, and this has been commented on as well, because oh. the main... Sto- like, people have made up loads of stories about this, right. and I'll tell you about some of them later yeah. on. Um, but there are, like, some people who've looked at plaster casts and how you make them suggest yeah. that this girl must have been 16 oh, and no older, um, because her skin is so firm. Yeah. Which is really, really bloody tragic if it's true. Yeah, right. Luckily... This isn't the only story about how this mask oh, was made. okay, cool. Uh, there is a story that suggests that she was actually the daughter of a German plaster cast maker. Right, okay. Yeah. Who made the plaster cast of her face. Yeah. And another, and I can't work out what the where this story came from, but another that she was a Russian called Valerie. Oh, okay. Um, there's even this amazing modern fiction on a website you can go to. Right. Uh, created by a British photographer called John Gotto. Gotto? I think. Um, Gotto. He's G O T O. Yes. He's Cambridge based. Right. And he, in this. Um, in this website, he talks about making frames for all his painting collections, his his photography collections. Yeah. And one of the things you can click on is where he claims he's found an original photograph of the Hungarian music hall performer Ewa Laszlo, oh. murdered by her jealous Argentinian lover. Oh, for God's sake. Um, who matches the image of Lankanu. But yeah. he totally made this using Photoshop. It's incredible, yeah. though. Okay. Loads of people have made up loads of stories about this. Like, yeah. there was even one about uh, two twin sisters living in Liverpool, mm-hmm. uh, one of whom went off and was lost forever. Yeah. The second one went on holiday to Paris and found the mask of her sister unaging while she herself had aged, etc. People weren't really romantic about yeah, this. Yeah, they really need to, like, not romanticise this. <laughs> I know. Um, so, regardless of the actual story, though, yeah. artists and poets in Western Europe became really obsessed with this mask, and particularly when it was attached to the story of the mysterious drowned girl found in the scent. Hmm. Like, so I think in terms of talking about it, it doesn't really matter what happened to this girl, like, to make the mask in the first place. When we look at this story of Risa Sani and how it came to be made, yeah. it's the story of the drowned girl in the Seine. Right. Even yeah. if that didn't actually happen. Yeah. But, like, it's the commonly accepted truth, so it's kind of the... what 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 is now true sort yeah. of thing. It's the reason why she became so popular, I think. Or one of the reasons. Yeah. So, the first person to write about this was an English author, mm-hmm. uh, Richard Le Gallienne. That don't sound like no English name to me. He made that the l up. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> it sounds a bit too fancy for me. Yeah, no. I'm <laughs> born and bred in Nottinghamshire. You can tell by my accent. <laughs> oh my god, I think he was from Leeds. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to do a tropical paradise of Leeds chat. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so to give you some idea on how passionate and romantic Gallien was, Hmm. he was originally going to become an accountant. Oh, the sexiest of professions. 
But then his father took him to a lecture by Oscar Wilde. Nice. And then he had an affair with Wilde. Oh, nice. And then he gave up accountancy to become a full-time writer. <laughs> We've got a number of friends who are either accountants or accountants in training. And could... we do have a couple of friends who are kind of like Oscar Wilde. I could totally see our accountancy friends giving it all up after an affair with Oscar Wilde. <laughs> Except, to be fair to Richard Legallian, he seems to have been either bisexual mm. or just gay for Wilde. Okay. Which I could see possibly being a thing, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Um, he went on to marry two other women, like like two women later on, both okay. of whom were journalists or artists and... Um, seems to have had a really interesting life, to be honest. Okay, fair play. So he wrote this novella in 1900 called The Worshipper of the Image. Right. Which I've just been reading. Hmm. And it's about a poet who buys a copy of this mask. Right. And following this, he becomes so obsessed with the mask, he falls in love with it. Yeah, I mean, I saw that coming. <laughs> and weirder... The lips. Okay, so the whole deal is, like, he buys the mask because it reminds him of his wife, because it's got the same face as his wife. Ah, right. Wikipedia, by the way, does not mention this at all. I had Mm. to find this out by reading it. So, you know, this is why it's a good idea not to rely on Wikipedia students. Mm. There's an episode of Frasier that this is reminding me of, with a blind man who keeps a death mask of his wife. Oh, yeah! Yeah. (laughs) And then Frasier knocks the nose off by accident. (laughs) I mean, this mask, he doesn't just fall in love with it. Yeah. Um, but he, it starts talking to him. Okay, yeah. And it's never entirely clear whether it actually is. Yeah. And it's super evil, or whether this is him going mad. Wait, super evil? What does this mask tell him to do? Uh, kill his daughter. Oh my god! <laughs> okay, yeah, fair enough. So, he's fallen in love with this mask. His wife is really aware that this is what's happened. Right. Like, from pretty much the beginning, she's like, you're going to fall in love with this mask, aren't you? (laughs) You've done it before. (laughs) I know you. Give give me that mask. Where'd you get this one from? It's like, God damn it, Arthur. (laughs) Once again. I found this one in the bin. (laughs) So, um, he neglects his wife and child. And eventually says to the mask that he has brought his daughter to her. Right. Following which she dies of a fever. Right, okay. And later on, he's promised his wife that, you know, he's given up his affair with the mask. Yeah. Um, but goes back to her. Yeah. And his wife drowns herself. I mean, it's a pretty good ghost story. It's a really good story. Yeah. It's a little bit flowery, I'd say, okay. from reading it. But I'd recommend it, like, okay. if you want to check it out. Yeah, probably will. Now, there was something a bit odd about the story, though, mm-hmm. um, which I think is worth mentioning. Right. So, he's named this mask Silencio. Silence? Silence. And the last two sentences of this story go like this. So he went up into the wood, whistling softly to himself. But lo, when he opened his chalet door, there was a strange light in the room. The eyes of Silencio were wide open, and from her lips hung a dark moth with the face of death between his wings. I know that image. I know that image! That's Silence of the Lambs. It's totally Silence of the Lambs. It's even a death's head moth. Yeah. Okay. So I swear to God 
that the Silence of the Lambs cover artist must have taken some inspiration somewhere from this story. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that is a startlingly, like, exact replica of that. Yeah, right? And, like, I got the image of her from the mm. from the cover box and she does look like Lancanu, right? I mean I suppose it's it's hard because the sort of the main feature is missing, what with being like the very sort of like the smirk. The, the smirk, the wide smirk going on there. And obviously on the cover of Science of the Lambs it is Death's Head Moth. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You I, see what I mean? There's similarities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not an exact like one to one, but there's definitely like the the image like, the, the style of it is the same. Yeah, and I was so annoyed because I spent about half an hour yeah. trying to find someone admitting that this image is from that story. Yeah. And they don't. The only thing they talk about is the fact that the moth is actually um, naked women from one of Salvador Dali's pictures. Oh, yeah. Which, you know, it's not as interesting. No, in the story, it's a death's head moth. Yeah. That was no real reason for me to add that on there, but there we go. <laughs> that's all right. Yeah, that's fine. So, um... Good film. Not a very good book. No. Good film. No. Well, it's one of those few occasions where the film is much better than the book. Oh. The book's just got a lot of waffle to it. Oh, fair enough. I mean, it inspired the film, so congrats for that, but yeah. Hmm. Anyway, back to, back to Drowned Ladies and Canals. So... After this story, um, which obviously took on the whole idea of she was the drowned woman and mm. as a result his wife drowns herself and yeah. there's like replication of this whole idea. Yeah. So after this, loads of other authors wrote about her. Mm-hmm. And this lasted all the way up into like the 1930s and 1940s. Okay. So in 1934, a German author called Reinhold Conrad Muschler wrote a book called Die Unbekannt, about her possible life. Okay. And this one is, like, so, so cheesy and saccharine. It's unbelievable. So in this story, um, it's about a young peasant girl who finds her way to the bright lights of Paris, Mm -hmm. falls in love with an English aristocrat. Yeah. He dumps her so that he can go back to his fiancée, and she drowns herself in the Seine. Right. With, like, the smile on her face because she knows that she will be with him again soon. That sounds dumb. It does sound dumb. (laughs) And uh, apparently in the New York Times, um, the man who criticised this book... The literary critic. The literary critic, there we go. um, (laughs) It took you nine takes to get that. (laughs) It took me two. (laughs) Um, Apparently he thought that it was repellent. Oh, okay, yeah. (laughs) Like, um, just too cutesy. Yeah, sounds like it. But it did sell 100,000 copies on the first German printing, and it was massively popular. Ah, well, people like bad shit all the time. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, they basically said it was like the love story of their day. Right. You know? But it it sounds a bit pulpy. Oh, yeah. I mean, for sure. Have you ever heard of Reinhold Conrad Muschler? I have not. Neither have I. No. I can't say that he made a big impact. Yeah. Other people, uh, like other more famous artists, have Mm. written about her as well. So Albert Camus, Ah. the French philosopher, uh, claimed that she had the smile of a drowned Mona Lisa. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. The smile's a bit more, I guess, prominent in this than in the Mona Lisa. 
It is, which is weird because everyone knows the Mona Lisa's smile. Yeah. But I guess here she definitely looks like she's smirking. Yeah, like it's always described in the Mona Lisa as enigmatic. Yeah. Whereas this is definitely just a smirk. Yeah, she's got a joke. Yeah. She's not sharing it with us. No. Um, and Nabokov, as in the writer of Lolita. Oh no. <laughs> he wrote a poem about her. It is not creepy. Okay. It's literally about the story of her drowning and apparently uh, takes on some Russian folktale elements as well. Okay, and she doesn't have a relationship with a much older man at all. No, I mean, Nabokov didn't do much about people having relationships with much older men. No, but he's just like, common knowledge of him is mostly about Lolita. Oh man, it makes me so cross. (laughs) Like, because I've read Lolita and I like Lolita, but it's things like the fact that he specifically said... Nabokov is it and I'm aware I'm going off on a tangent that's fine he said there should never be a picture of a little girl on the cover because it's meant to be about the fact that this girl is suffering yeah and you're meant to read it through the perspective of the horrible man and then realise that what you're doing yeah Um, but every single publication if it doesn't just have the word Lilita on it has a picture of a little girl on the cover yeah yeah, it's really not what the book is going for. No. It's meant to be horrific. It's not a love story or anything like that. No, it's really not. But, you know, people are going to have a go at Nabokov for it. Yeah. It's so sad. Oh, well. Oh, well. Poor Nabokov. Oh, well. On to another dead woman. Uh, yeah, back to our previous dead woman. Um, so, Lankanu might even have affected women's appearances. Okay. For a time. So according to Al Alvarez, who wrote a study on suicides, mm-hmm. um, Lankanu might have been the paradigm for a whole generation of German girls. Okay. Including the actress Elizabeth Bergner. So if you look at her, uh, the idea okay. is that everyone was going for a kind of smoothed out appearance, yeah. light on the eyebrows, light on eye makeup, and they don't smile. They don't like they don't open their mouths. Yeah. They're very like contained. Yeah, it's a sort of delicate yet reserved mm. sort of thing. Apparently, he heard this from a researcher at the University of Sussex. So you oh. know, you know that people have been thinking about this. Yeah. And apparently this was the case all the way up until Greta Garbo took over. Right, yeah. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah. Like, it's really affected people it really in a has. deep way. People love this dead woman. They really do. She must have been, like, she was madly popular. And it really does seem like her face was absolutely everywhere in the early 1900s. Yeah. Um, it was all over France, obviously, and Germany. Mm. And it managed to make its way into Norway, mm. which is really important for our story. In the late 1950s, Asmund Lerdel, and I apologise for my probably hideous pronunciation of Norwegian names. Yes, um, and rightly so. I know, I'm just very ashamed of myself. You should be. So at the time, he was... So this is Asmund Lerdel. <laughs> That's got to be worse, right? <laughs> and possibly offensive. I feel like it might be. <laughs> Asmund Lerdel, who was at the time a really successful Norwegian toy maker, mm-hmm. was approached to make a training aid to help people learn CPR. Right, okay. Because at the time, it was a really new technique for lifesaving. Yeah. Like, it had just been created, and they wanted to see if they could make a doll to help people learn. Mm. And he decided that he wanted the doll to have a natural appearance. Like, he wanted it to look like a human. Yeah. And he also thought it would seem less threatening 
to people trying, like, practicing this if the doll looked female. Okay. Like, I get what he means. Yeah, but it does feel like, you know, it's just buying into cultural stereotypes and biases and everything like that. Oh, sure, absolutely. Yeah. Like... I must save this delicate, pretty thing. I mean, to be fair, it's still got a hefty chest bump. Like, have you seen it? <laughs> I actually haven't. So, um, like, they are kind of hard to lug around, to be honest. Right. They have got, like, a really square chest. Right. Um, like, definitely, like, a reasonably a reasonably muscular man type yeah. look to them, except for the face, which right. is calm. Hmm. Hey, you're doing a great job reviving me. Yeah. Cheers, guy. Yeah. Let's just have a nice cup of tea after all this is over and I'm alive again. And if someone could give me some limbs so that I can actually walk around and make the cup of tea, we can get this Frankenstein's monster train going. No. No limbs for you, Rhesusani. <laughs> I want limbs. Give me your limbs. <laughs> the reason why he chose to use... L'Anconu de la Seine, mm-hmm. as the face of Rissosani, apparently was because his grandparents had a copy of L'Anconu de la Seine on their wall, ah. like so many other people in Europe at that time. Yeah. I... <laughs> he looked up and went, I f***ing hate that death <laughs> It has crept into my dreams <laughs> and now into my work. I mean, it's so weird because... Like, I think so many stories about this mask are, like, her haunting people. Yeah. Or persuading them to kill their children. (laughs) Or even... She um... was the Babadook of her day. (laughs) I know. And, like, at the time, everyone was like, oh, yeah, the face of that drowned woman. Yeah. Um, Like, even if you're just commenting on it randomly, um, sort of people mention in stories in passing that they went past the mask of a drowned woman. (laughs) Oh, you mean down the corner from Tesco's? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mask of the Drowned Woman. <laughs> but um, like, I think it's really interesting that they chose her face, actually. Like, given the whole sort of... I don't know, there seems to be a little bit of a pattern to it. As in CPR, right? You mm. use it to help drowning people. So yeah. the face of a drowned woman now helps yeah, the drowning, which is kind of nice and fitting, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Regardless, I'm pretty sure that everyone who's used a CPR doll is now haunted. Yeah, it sounds like it. I think everyone is going to be inhabited by the ghost of this drowned woman who's going to make them murder a loved one and then write a hit film about it. Absolutely. Yeah. Wait, that implies that the director of the Babadook actually did kill a child. And that's not, <laughs> <laughs> that's not what I'm implying. We're on to you. <laughs> We're not, don't sue us. <laughs> So I think that brings us to the end of our story about how we ended up with the face of a drowned woman on CPR dolls. <laughs> That's so creepy. Why do they still do it? I mean, is it is it just because it's like, oh, people know this is what it looks like now? I don't know. I think it's like, there's not really much reason to change it. I suppose, yeah. So, like, nowadays, you can actually get them in different colours even, but oh, it's yeah. still the same face. Okay. Hmm. Not sure how I feel about that. Do you think that we ought to have different types of faces? I, I, I think it's still the same company that makes them. I don't know. It's just that, <laughs> okay, it seems weird to me that, you know, you're kind of doing blackface on the image of a drowned woman. <laughs> oh, God. I mean, yeah, sure, true. I don't, I don't know what to suggest. No, though. I don't either, because, like, obviously at the same time, it's a doll, but it is a real face, and... Yeah. I don't know. 
Well, I figured I'd take us away from sad stories, so I took you to a goddamn racism story. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you meant inside the podcast. No. Yeah. Well, come on, Joe Gould was not that sad in the end. It was mystery. Okay. Although at the time of us doing this, I have like just finished editing the uh, Emperor of America one, and that is so sad. It's going to be our third episode, and it's just tragic. I think it's glorious. Yeah, but it is sad. Sure. Okay, so this one, actually about a suicide, has turned out to be the least sad. Yeah. Because, my God, it's weird. It is just weird and creepy. I don't know. I'm going to have to step up my game for next week. Oh, what are you thinking? I have no idea. I don't know if I should go creepy or, like, super happy or just, like, I don't know. Find out next time on That Time When! Yeah, I guess it's as good a time as any to wrap up. I just wrapped up. <laughs> How do... dare you! How dare you! <laughs> okay. So thank you so much for listening to That Time When. Um, please like and subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to us on. And go to the iTunes store, give us a five-star rating... Um, tell your friends, tell your loved ones, tell anyone you think should be cursed and haunted forever by the ghost of Resus Annie. Yeah, and completely aside from that, thank you once again to Kevin McLeod for the use of pretty much any bit of music that you'll hear in this. And yeah, shall we go search around? Oh no, wait, lockdown. I was going to say we should go search around in the in the river to see if we can get any drowned women and become famous, but lockdown, you know. <sighs> I mean, it does prevent a lot of suicide fishing. Yeah. Well, let's go make a death mask of a neighbour. Hey!